The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yeah, we're like the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. You know what that means? No, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now have not uh, outgained or outscored any of their opponents in this season right now, and yet they got a winning record. I I think I'm Mike Tomlin's uh, lucky charm because every time I pick against them, they win. LeBron James. Now, I think he meant to say outgained, yeah. not outgained and outscored. It's right. hard to win if you outscore. <laughs> right. They're outgained, yeah. but they're not outscored. We'll give LeBron a break. He just finished playing a basketball game, and he's almost as old as me is, at this point. So we'll give him a little, we'll give him a little slack there. <laughs> he's but, not that old. But but uh, well, he's well. That's right. He's almost your age. You know, you're how old is LeBron? He's 38, is he, is I think. He, he's not about 40 to be 39. Yet, no, I think he's 38, about to be 39 this year, but still remarkable how he's moving and playing and basketball, jumping and cutting and 82 times a year plus the playoffs. He's always 39. It's insane what he's doing at his age. You don't see that in basketball very often. Big body, wear and tear on the joints, Woo. up and down the court, up right. and down the court, up and down the court. It's not like asphalt, but still, wood isn't exactly the most forgiving surface in no. the world either. It's not like grass. So uh, good to see LeBron still going. And good to know that he's still interested in the National Football League. He and he understands what's happening with the Steelers, given that they continue to win. We'll see if LeBron James picks against the Steelers this weekend. We'll see if we pick against the Steelers coming up in the Mega Picks podcast later today. Speaking of the Steelers, One of the issues percolating with the team, and we talked about this yesterday from Coach Mike Tomlin's perspective, his pebble-in-the-shoe comment about what we saw from George Pickens during and after last week's win over the Titans. He wasn't happy on the field. He reportedly wasn't happy in the locker room. He scrubbed all references to the Steelers from his Instagram page. He had an Instagram story at one point that said, free me. Tomlin tried to downplay it on Tuesday. Here's Pickens talking to reporters on Wednesday, including the question he was asked. Let's have a listen to the exchange between a reporter and George Pickens. 
George, are you upset? Oh, no. What would you mean by the social media reaction? Uh, I don't really mix social media and football together, so... You did kind of hide all the Steelers stuff from your profile. Just what what was behind doing that and then restoring it? Uh, just clearing out my page. Certainly, uh, not really too crazy. It got nothing to do with the Steelers at all. Were you frustrated after the game Thursday night? Uh, no, nah, we got the victory. Uh, take out a touchdown. Uh, we just engineered the victory. That's all. I was, I was happy. Anything. What was going through your mind after the score? Oh uh, no, nah, I was just getting back to the sideline. His touchdown engineered the victory, so I don't know how I can be mad at that. Somebody got called to the principal's office, Chris. Definitely. Somebody that was had some to sit across from Mike bullshit, Tomlin. Bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, and we love George Pickens, but yeah. come on. Somebody had to sit across from Mike Tomlin and had to hear it and had to feel it. You know, like when you're a kid, and I don't know if this applied to you, but the worst feeling wasn't having your parents mad at you. The worst feeling was having your parents disappointed in you and I think Mike Tomlin put Pickens through that whole gamut from anger to disappointment and the disappointment is the thing that just cuts your heart out Yeah, no doubt so right he's almost doing the Stepford Patriot routine there he's been programmed like a robot to go out and say those things I mean anybody knows you're cleaning up your page you're not scrubbing it of every reference to the professional football team you play for if you're cleaning up your page he deleted every post except the one showing his highlights from georgia for crying out loud yeah and look we he clearly was frustrated and mike tomlin was clearly trying to downplay it and it's obvious that pickens has gotten the message and tomlin working his magic to keep pickens listening to his better angels and rectifying the thing that happened last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was, you know, one. That was some that was some grade A. Yes. That was some grade A USDA approved fecal matter from a bull and there he is sitting there after uh, the touchdown from Deontay Johnson and he just he was upset. He, was, he had minus 1 yard. He was upset. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. I get so, it. Yep. It, it, so that's it, it's fine are. to be upset. It, it is fine to be upset. It's not fine to be upset. And then start making it a, a distraction for your football team, right? Whether it is scrubbing your social media. Again, even in those areas right there, it's okay to be upset. Don't make it so visibly noticeable to everybody on TV and even your teammates on the sideline. You just took the lead in the football game and you're over there looking like, woe is me, right? And that's where it's not a good look, okay? And I, he, he's young. He's talented. I know how it works. Trust me. I've been with receivers. They're the most gifted guys on the field, and he's one of them, right? So, you know, I understand the frustration, but you just don't want to let it filter over. And, you know, like you said about Mike Tomlin, I, I bet you he got the principal's office, Mike Tomlin, you know, also from his own agent. I'm guarantee his own agent was like, listen, this is not doing you any good whether you like Pittsburgh or not or want to get out of there or whatever, this ain't a good look for you. Don't do that. And then Tomlin has that magical way of like what you're talking about, being stern, no nonsense, no BS, but has a magic of, hey, I care about you, and you know I care about you, and I've shown you that, and you're letting me down on a personal level, and that is the thing that cuts to the heart of any football player, you know. Yeah, yeah, the coach that yells at you and does all that, but the coach that cares for you a little bit, 
you don't want to let them down. You know, football players are good soldiers that way. You know, they, they, you know, I, I'm like a, a puppy dog wanted to come back and a quarterback coach. I liked, I wanted to come off the sidelines and I, I wanted to tell me I did a good job and I wanted to see a look in his face that he was pleased with me. I mean, that was part of the satisfaction of, you know, Hey, John Gruden, you just mother effed me a bunch of times, but you know, I know you care about me now. Let me see the smile on your face and tell me how I did a good job. I mean, those things go a long way and they hit home. And right, because he was doing that a lot of the game. Uh, so we'll see how they react uh, this weekend. And, you know, they got some good leaders on the team. I think that helps, too, when you got Minka Fitzpatrick and Watt and Cam Hayward. You look across the locker room and you go, wait, I, I look at those guys. They're stand-ups. I can't be, you know, the jerk in the locker room either. You might have noticed some quotes on the screen that undercut the Pickens explanation that he wasn't frustrated at all. Najee Harris said, there's nothing wrong with being frustrated. It's just how you handle things. Obviously, he's a talented guy. Teams are going to do things to minimize him. I was just telling him in the middle of the game, too, you've got to keep your composure. Again, that cuts against the attitude Pickens is now trying to display. Deontay Johnson, similar comments from him as it relates to frustrations. I understand where he's coming from. You can't knock him. He's human. I didn't think too much about the situation. I know what it was from. Frustration from the game, obviously. Him doing what he did, there's a better way to go about certain situations. But he felt like he had to handle it that way at the same time. It wasn't the right time to do all that. So you got two guys who are basically agreeing with us that this sudden serenity now routine from George Pickens is baloney. He was upset, but this is post-Tomlin. And as I said yesterday, and I wrote about this at PFT, and I think a lot of people deliberately misunderstood my point, the mere fact that that Mike Tomlin was being asked about it, the mere fact that George Pickens did what he did is a failure by Tomlin to intervene and prevent because we know he's got a well-earned reputation of intervening and preventing, whether it's Antonio Brown, whether it's Chase Claypool, whether it's other guys we don't even know about. You keep the thing from becoming an issue. So you don't have to deal with it at a press conference. So you don't have that distraction internally or externally. That's where Tomlin failed with George Pickens. The fact that he did it is failure. And it's all the more reason, Chris, for Tomlin to be even more pissed that Pickens acted out before Tomlin recognized, I need to defuse this situation. Yeah. uh, You know, I I think, you know, it's something you've said a million times. I mean, that's where I think Tomlin's probably pretty special. And the fact that he knows, has a good pulse of the team and understands, you know, maybe when guys are suppo- about to boil over and he calms the waters there a little bit and, and lets them know his feelings, where they're at as a football team and gets everybody back on the same page here. You know, this one's a, a, a tough one, right? And then with these offenses and the, the their offense, the way they're playing, yeah, he's probably got to keep his eye on his receivers the whole year and keep pounding into their brains a little bit like, hey, yeah, it ain't going to be easy, right? We just need you to keep being good soldiers, doing what we ask, you know, helping the run game, block that. The ball will come your way at some point. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're not pouting. Make sure, you know, you man up, all those things. And I'll, I think he'll continue to preach that to his football team because that's what he's all about. All right, another little controversy that Whoa. emerged on Tuesday night. Robert Sala was on ESPN New York with Michael Kay, and he was asked a very specific question of why he hasn't gone from Zach Wilson to Trevor Simeon. And Sala said, I'll plead the fifth. 
which created an idea that there isn't harmony within the organization about Zach Wilson being playing and that if Robert Sala was left to his devices, he would tell Wilson to take a seat and he would go with Simeon. Here is Robert Sala from yesterday about keeping Zach Wilson as the starter for the New York Jets football team. Robert, statistically speaking, this offense has operated at a higher clip with just about every other quarterback or every other quarterback you guys have used aside from Zach Wilson over the last three years. Is there a mandate or push or an initiative from above to continue to stick with Zach Wilson in spite of this? No, we're, we're on the same page with that. So, you know, any, any conspiracy theory that might be out there, we're, we're on the same page. Look, that's what he's got to say, and it's not a conspiracy theory. It's reality. It's, it's reacting to what he said. self Why is he pleading the fifth? Right. Yeah. He pleads the fifth on whether or not he's going to go from Zach Wilson to Trevor Simeon. And this all goes back to last year, that horrible Thursday night game right before Christmas that Zach Wilson had against the Jaguars when they ended up bringing Chris Streveler to give them a spark. Right. On Sunday – of that week, Jay Glazer goes on Fox and he says the Jets are moving on from Zach Wilson. And Glazer doesn't get stuff wrong. At that moment, they were moving on from Zach Wilson. At some point after that, somebody decided we're not moving on from Zach Wilson. So I think there's been a schism, if you will, for a while in the organization about Zach Wilson. And Chris, the other side of this is because Aaron Rodgers has been hovering all year with this, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. That's ultimately why they weren't able to go out and upgrade with somebody else. I mean, they can say we didn't have the draft assets or whatever. Vikings didn't have to give up much to get Josh Dobbs. They immediately pivoted to a post-Kirk Cousins plan, and it worked. The, the Jets just tried to dog paddle in the East River because what can – I mean, the whole Cousins thing was pie in the sky anyway, but even if you get Cousins in New York and it goes well, daddy's home. And it's time for me to play. And sorry that Kirk's playing so well, but he goes to the bench and he and Zach can sit there and just uh, watch me do my thing. So Rogers, I think, and his constant attitude from the get-go that he's coming back is really the thing that has kept the Jets from having any significant effort externally to bring in someone who would help them get to the playoffs because that someone ends up being supplanted when Rodgers returns. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge part of it, right? We discussed that at the time. I think also kind of what you said a minute ago is another big part of it, right? Is is that, one, Zach Wilson had a good offseason, right? He had a pretty good uh, preseason training camp to go on top of that. And then I, there's support in the organization for Zach Wilson because he was the number two pick. And as I mean, again, if you're a first round pick, you get not you get nine lives in the NFL. You get more chances to survive than any other player in football. That's that is the gift of being a first round pick. But yes, when you're that high of a pick, too, I mean, they're not going to give up on you easily. They're not. Uh, the, the GM, he knows his name is associated with that quarterback of the number two pick. The owner, he's also involved in that a little bit. So I would bet there was, you know, some strong backing from higher up in the organization to not give up on Zach Wilson quite yet. Let's see what he's got. We did draft him number two. And then you add on top of the Rodgers conversation and all that. I think that's, you know, yeah, it is the reason they are where they are. 
and, and, and again, what I'll state is like we did yesterday a little bit, you know, Zach Wilson, and it hasn't been good, but I don't care who you put in there. It ain't going to be better with Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle or anything like that. There is systemic problems with the Jets offense. Everybody sees it, right? It's not like it, 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 I don't look at it and watch the Giants game two weeks and go and go, man, Wilson missed people all over, open all over the field. I look at it and go, damn, Wink Martindale and the Giants were all over the Jets and knew everything they were doing, and there wasn't anybody open, you know, one, because of scheme and Zach Wilson, and then two, because there's not, as we talked about, really any scary receivers on the football team other than Garrett Wilson. So, you know, that's where I think it's all kind of coming to this point right now. And to me, to change the quarterback, you're sitting here at 4-4, four and four, that would be a bigger distraction than anything. Right, just stay the course. He's had some good moments. You won three out of the last four. All right, the you, you went toe to toe with the Chiefs. You've shown some moments here where, hey, he can do what he needs to do to keep you, you know, in a game against the best teams in the football. That's right, he beat the Eagles. So that's where I would stay the course and just hang in there. And there has been some progress in that. He's not throwing interceptions and doing stuff of that nature nearly as much, right? He's taking care of the ball there, and it's just going to be ugly, and they got to come to the, you know, just the, what do I want to say, the obvious fact that that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the year on the offensive side of the ball. Well, one of the reasons he's not throwing interceptions is he's not getting rid of the ball because he's not listening to the clock in his head or the clock's not. Yeah. He had the the fumbles. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And here comes Max Crosby. Right. On Sunday night on NBC. You know, I just hope, I really hope that the truth here isn't that Woody Johnson, the owner of the team refused to let this guy go for fear that he's going to go somewhere else and become the guy that he never was with the Jets and embarrass the Jets. I hope that's not the case. Now, in the offseason when Zach Wilson was perfectly fine with coming back, because I thought there was a chance he was going to say, I'd like to move on, please. I'd like a fresh start for my career. When he was all on board with returning, that eliminated this conversation of whether or not they're just squatting on him so he can't go somewhere else and be better than he's been with the Jets. But, you know, at some point he's going to be somewhere else because... I, I just think at this point, Chris, there's no way he can be the successor to Aaron Rodgers. No, I don't think the I Jets fan base is going to accept that. No, I, I hear you there. And, and you know me, I'm, I'm a guy that, yeah, I made him the number one quarterback there, and I'd like to see him succeed and make me right. But, you know, yeah, it's not even close between him and Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, there's some things in his development that are, yeah, still concerning. So I don't see that either as far as a, a future for him and Zach Wilson and you know, I think ultimately it'll probably do Zach Wilson good to get out of the New York, get a new perspective, a new fresh look on things, and and have a new coach in his ear to, to kind of straighten out, you know, some of the things he has issues with. But I do think, Mike, to your point, that I do think they were scared to just let him go and go somewhere. As you heard me say a bunch of times in the offseason, early on in the season, he's the kind of guy that teams do get scared to let go. Because they go, damn, his talent is real. He makes throws and moves around out here, and it's scary good sometimes. So they don't want to let go of that guy. But when it becomes between the lines a little bit, and like we talked about 
you know, yesterday and, and everything there. Yeah, the time in his clock or the, 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 the clock in his head, the movement in the pocket, you know, when to get out of dodge, you know, when to just take the check down and the easy completion, missing the easy completion when he's open and you're like, man, you're too talented to miss that. You know, I think those are all issues that, that frustrate Jet fans, and I understand there's a, a lack of development that I would like to see in that, that department as well. It'll be interesting to see if he wants to come back next year. It'll be interesting to see if in the offseason he says, I need a fresh start now. Let one of Aaron Rodgers' buddies come be his backup for next year. I want to go somewhere else. I want to get started on it because I know, you know, we all know, I'm not going to be the quarterback of the Jets in 2025 when Aaron Rodgers retires, if he even does. So last year he was willing to stay. This year let's see what he does when the season ends for the New York Jets. Let's take a break. Some Week 10 props when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. On DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every single day. Day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, DraftKings props, week 10. Not just tonight's game or not any from tonight's game. We're looking at multiple games. And we'll begin with the second straight game in Germany. And sorry, folks in Deutschland, they all can't be winners. You got Dolphins, Chiefs. <laughs> Don't complain about Colts, Patriots. Uh. So, uh, all right, uh, here we go. Jonathan Taylor, over under 70.5 rushing yards against the New England defense. Gosh, Where are you going? And he's averaged, by the way, he's averaged 72.3 in his last three games. But New, New England allows only 3.5 yards per kick. I'm going to go under here. I am, and it's not easy to say. I got a lot of respect for you know the Colts, their running game, all that they do there. 
You know, I do think, I guess, lack of firepower out on the outside, right? Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, they're good players. Michael Pittman Jr. is really, really good. I think in a perfect world, you want him to be like your number two, right? But what I'm saying and all that is just that, yeah, I, because of lack of weapons, Gardner Minshew not being a big-arm quarterback, I think that adds to the fact that New England will be able to be a little bit more bold with stopping the run game. I'm going to go the under here. Uh, but it's 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 dicey, but I, I will. New England's D is pretty stout. Yeah, I'll go with the over. I just think that the Colts kind of found their groove against the Panthers. They'd been trying and failing to get things on track, and the Patriots, I don't know that going to Germany is going to, like, dramatically change anything. They feel like they've lost their way. I feel like they're just – checking the boxes to get to the end of the season. And uh, it just feels like the Colts recognize they've got an opportunity to maybe get some positive attention. And they're still very much alive at four and five. They win this game. They get to 500. Who knows what they do down the stretch. So I'll go over Jonathan Taylor, big game. I'm rooting for a big game on Sunday morning. As we watch a game that won't be anything like dolphins, chiefs, Browns, Ravens rematch from a game that the Ravens won in week four. And that started this whole Deshaun Watson thing. Dorian Thompson Robinson played unexpectedly for him and everyone else. The Ravens won the game, suffocated the Browns. I think it was 27-3, right? The yeah. Browns beat the Titans 27-3, and then the Ravens beat the Browns 27-3. Now the Browns go into Baltimore where the Ravens have beaten the crap, the cockeye, if you will, out of both the Lions and the Seahawks. Lamar Jackson's over under for Combined rush and pass yards, 257.5. He had 213 in week four. What's he going to have on Sunday? Over or under 257.5? Ooh, this is a tough one here. Man, this is tough. Um, I feel like I'm going to go under here, all right? Uh, and I don't think it'll be by a lot, but I guess I just have too much respect for this Cleveland defense. You know, I feel like. If I'm Lamar, you go into this game a little bit with a little bit of a conservative nature, right? Like we talk about with some teams. You play Cleveland, you have to almost on the offense as a quarterback think a little defensively, and at least in my opinion. Don't let Cleveland's defense win the football game, right? When in doubt, throw it away. When in doubt, take the sack. Don't try to get something off, strip sack, fumble, or ball pop in the air, interception, pick six. Cleveland has proven that their defense can almost single-handedly win them a game by themselves. They're that good there. So I'll go under here. You know, I could see it being a day of like, yeah, he has a few good runs, but nothing special. Maybe throws for right around 200 yards. And then other running backs have a good day off of that running the football, and they win a you know, ugly defensive struggle type of football game. Uh, at least that's what kind of I kind of expect. So I'll go under, Mike. What are you going to do here? Well, I mean, the, the Ravens have just been so I know their offense lately. is on Mark fire. Mark told me after right. that, right. that win over the Lions, now's the time to stack some wins and separate, and this is a great way to separate. They got three, five, and three teams behind them. They got to start knocking them out when they get the opportunities. Yeah. And I think I'll go over. I'll go over in large part because we never come back and revisit these and say, hey, we need you were to right, do that. We're wrong. We need to we do probably that. will start now. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares about whether we're right I or wrong. I care. We just want to know what we think in advance. So 
I'll go over Lamar Jackson with the 257.5 combined pass and rush yards. I forget about these by the time the games come around. All I care about by the time the games start is kicking your ass on the straight up picks, which <laughs> this, I barely did last week, four to yeah. three. This is this is gonna. I, I think you know this is not gonna be a headline game. I, I feel like, but to, for me, it is. I, I think this is a phenomenal football game. You talk about a game with studs all over the football field, and then two teams that pride themselves and kicking the crap out of the other team right now. And Cleveland, they're playing good football right now. I mean, beat the 49ers, beat the Colts, really, in my opinion, outplayed the Seahawks and kind of screwed the game up. And, of course, dominated Arizona last week. And now Deshaun Watson is back. You know, they can run the football. They're arguably the best screen team in football. And then we know that defense. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be some hard hitting in this one. Hey, there's five games this weekend with both teams at or above 500. Yeah, I like that. One of them. So, yeah, I think it, it's a it's a, a, a game that's got some cachet for uh, the 10th Sunday of the regular season. Here's another one with both teams at or above 500. The Texans at 4-4 four and four, facing the Bengals in Cincinnati. They're 5-3. and C.J. Stroud's over-under for passing yards is 251.5. Now, that may sound low because he had 470 last week, but the week before against Carolina, he had 140. Yeah. Where does he land against the Bengals? I'm, Over or under 251.5? I'm going to go under here. I am. I think Cincinnati's got it going on the defensive side of the ball. I do. I think their secondary has settled down. I think they figured out how they want to play. You know, we're seeing less big plays allowed from their defense over the last few weeks. I think that'll continue. You know, I don't think it's going to be much less, but I'm going to go under. You know, the one thing with Houston and Damian Pierce being out, uh, they want to run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball as well as they like. Cincinnati, with the two guys they got in the middle and Reeder and Hill, you know, they don't even have to load the box to stop the run a lot of times. That's what's so in- impressive about them, and therefore they can always have guys back in coverage protecting that aspect there. You know, I think this will be you know, a, a, certainly a tougher day than it was last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to go under just a little bit. A pattern that has emerged in recent weeks, not early weeks, because they did win by 20 at Jacksonville, different team at home than they are on the road. They yes, lost you're right. at Carolina. Yep. They won at home. They beat the hell out of the Steelers. They won at home this past weekend against the Bucks. I will go under on this one as well, just because I feel like the Bengals are kind of coming into their own. Agreed. And they're ready to make their move and turn 5-3 and three into 10-3. and three. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Chase Young making his debut for the 49ers in Jacksonville this week. How much will he play? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Now, honestly, I got everything off social media, just like you guys. Because, um, you know, I'm just playing my game, and it happened. Got in here last week, um, just the culture, um, the vibe. Um, it's a lot different. Um, you know, I, I definitely know that I'm, 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 I'm in the build with winners. He's going to jump in right away. First time we saw him was Monday. We had a slight, small practice, and um, we'll see him out there today, really, for a real practice. And hopefully he'll pick up the stuff throughout the week and uh, get to be out there a good bit on Sunday. Hope is to have a big role for him. Yes, hope so. 
49ers doing a half-year rental with Chase Young. Reminds me of the third-round pick plus that they gave up to get Emmanuel Sanders in 2019. Didn't re-sign him after the season. There he is in his 92 jersey. They gave up the third-round pick to beef up the pass rush, beef up the defense, and fuel their run of the Super Bowl now. Next year's next year. I'd be surprised if he re-signs with the 49ers. I think the goal is turn him loose, help the 49ers win, and if they get a Super Bowl out of it, that third-round pick is... Yeah. Draft capital well spent. Exactly right. All right. And it's a compensatory pick from the fact that the 49ers have mastered, you know, the the hiring process of minority candidates and they haven't tried to master it. It's because Shanahan's just a great guy and doesn't, you know, worry about stuff like that. He just goes, hey, who's the most qualified guy? Get him in here and do it. And therefore, you know, the minority hires they've had are they're kicking butt as compared to the rest of the league. And yeah. I mean, okay, an end of the third round pick for one of the better pass rushers in football and a guy that's got a potential, you know, to be like what, the best pass rusher in football. I, I, I sit here and go, what the hell was the rest of the NFL thinking letting the 49ers get him for, the, for the, one of the last picks of the third round? But yeah, you're right. If it ends up in a Super Bowl, who gives a damn, right? Um, you know, if, if, if it ends up in maybe. Uh, Chase Young plays really good, but the market doesn't dictate him getting the type of money he wants, right? Where where would you want to go sign back to show everybody one more year of greatness and then get big money? Oh, I'd want to go with the team that I know has an awesome defense where I could put up stats. Oh, the 49ers. You might get a chance to kind of get a, you know, hometown deal off of that. You know, and of course if it, you know, if they really love him and all that and can't come to it, they can franchise tag him. So we'll see where it goes. You're right, but I think there's a lot of possibilities here, and I'm excited to see him on the field with the rest of these crazy efforts we know that run around in this 49ers defense. There are lingering concerns about the knee. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why he went for a three and Montez Sweat went for a two. It's that knee that was torn up a couple of Novembers ago, still not back to being the guy he was when he was the NFL's defensive rookie of the year. Back in twenty, so the market might not be Trent what Williams. we think about it for it. You know what I mean? Right. Too, it might not be that way to right. where maybe the 49ers can end up signing them for something long term and not as big a money as we we think it might be. Right. That game against the Browns that had Debo Samuel injured, he hasn't played since then. Christian McCaffrey injured, but he was able to come back and play. Trent Williams injured and has been out. Initially, Kyle Shanahan said it wasn't a high ankle sprain. Here he is from yesterday talking about the current status of Trent Williams and uh, whether or not we're going to see him on Sunday against the Jaguars. I think you initially said it was a low ankle sprain. Was it, is there anything more going on with Trent's ankle? Yeah, I think obviously there is. I mean, just when you have, he's got a lot of history in there with stuff, it didn't show up as a high or anything like that. But when you've had that over your career, there's a number of things that um, with how it's taken longer than expected to heal, it's more than a low. It's not Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. I almost talked too much. So (laughs) he said it was a low. It's more than a low, which makes it a high, which means we're probably not going to see him this weekend against the Jaguars. And the offense has been a little bit different without him. How can the offense not be different when you take one of the finest blockers in all of football? We talked earlier about how hard it is for offensive lines to perform at a high level in today's NFL. This is one of the cornerstone guys, and he's not there. And it impacts the offense. Definitely. It definitely impacts the offense. I mean, he's he's upper room Deion Sanders to the Hall of Fame. 
That's that's the kind of player we're talking about with Trent Williams. It's like the second he becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame, it's like no doubt, unanimous going there. I mean, that, that that's where that's the type of football player we're talking about. So yeah, it does have an effect on their football team, right? And we saw, you know, we saw the Bengals put pressure on Brock Purdy and the running game not work the same way that we we expected to. It's a tough challenge they got this week. Jacksonville's flying high, and it's been going like this ever since they lost to Houston. Their D is one of the best in football. They can stop the run. They got big people. They got big guys on the edge who are athletic. Their middle linebackers are awesome, right? They got safeties who get involved in the run game. Like, I kind of look at this game like this is going to be Brock Purdy in the pass game are going to have to win this one for them. So we'll see where it goes. But, you know, like we talked about Browns-Ravens being intriguing, this to me is the other, uh, I mean, really big football game on Sunday that I can't wait to see how it all plays out. One other thing to keep an eye on as the 49ers take on the Jaguars, and both teams had a bye. Both teams had extra time to get ready. The 49ers have lost three in a row. The defense has been an issue. Yep. And one of the things that came up immediately after their third straight loss at home to the Bengals was the idea of moving Steve Wilkes, a defensive coordinator, from the booth down to the field. That's where we saw D'Amico Ryans. Right. That's where we saw Robert Sala. And Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, on the way to buy, he said, we'll have to talk about that. Back from by, back with reporters, he said, Steve Wilkes is coming from the booth down to the field level, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, that's what they're used to. You know, maybe Steve Wilkes needs a different look, you know, needs to be able to communicate with some players, get a feel for the game a little bit better. That's where, you know, it's different being on the field, too. You know, one, yeah, you don't maybe get to see as clearly, but, you know, all week in practice, the defensive coordinator seeing the field from that standpoint. So they're very comfortable there. Plus, sometimes you get a little bit more of a feel for the game overall, being out in it and get a feel for, oh, wait, they're pushing us around up front or actually we're pushing them around. Maybe I don't need to worry about putting another safety in the box to stop the run game. And then, of course, communication and feel as players run off the sidelines, I think, is another big aspect. You get to kind of hear how players view the offense that they're playing. Hey, I'm comfortable. I, I can play him man-to-man. I got it. I feel good with it. I mean, just there's a lot of things there, and hopefully it just infuses a little new energy to that 49ers defense that has been struggling as of late. Well, and the balance is communication with the players when the defense isn't on the field versus having that opportunity to really see. Yes what's happening during the game and it feels sanitized it's like you're in a laboratory but you can see what's developing you can see what's happening it's so much harder when you're on the sideline to understand what's going on in the field because you don't have that benefit of, of yeah. height yeah and distance right and it's like you know playing madden when you're up in the booth Agreed. you can see how it's all unfolding and you can't see that down on the field you got to trust others to tell you what's happening you got to check on that that, that tablet exactly. look at those pictures and figure things out right all right Let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Brian, you've been through so much in this uh, league. When you got hurt there in the Baltimore game, could you maybe feel the or see the writing on the wall with this uh, quarterback change coming? No, not not initially. Um, you know, as uh, as times kind of progress, I've you know tried to walk through those emotions and and uh, prepare myself and to see the possibility, but uh, in, in the initial moment, no. Oh, it hits hard. I mean, never been in this situation before, so 
you know, it hits hard in every situation that anyone wants to be in. Um, but it's a situation I'm in, so I've got to walk through it. You know, as I'm collecting hoodies, I really like that Titans hoodie that Ryan Tannehill's wearing, although he won't be wearing one of those next year. He won't be playing for the Titans next year, Chris. Supplanted by Will Levis, it all happened in the aftermath of the ankle injury he suffered in London in the game against the Ravens. They had the bye week. Levis played well. Malik Willis had some opportunities in the game against the Falcons. It became obvious Levis was the better option. And then Levis had the pretty damn good game last Thursday night in Pittsburgh, even though the Titans lost. And now Levis is the guy and Tannehill gets it. And, you know, the question for him becomes making plans for next year's contract expires. After this season, he'll go wherever he wants to go. Yeah. He'll be he'll be one of the guys that that we hear about in that forty eight hour window, right after uh, or right before free agency opens, where you know he someone is gonna is gonna pounce on him. He'll make twenty twenty five million a year, and he'll have a new home. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I expect. You know, you know, and and yeah, whether he's the bridge starter for a team that's figuring things out or. The starter, you know, for a team that does draft the quarterback and he's going to hold down the fort for a year as the quarterback develops. Or for maybe a team that goes, hey, we got everything and we just need a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over and can hit some open receivers. We'll see. I would think he has options, but this shouldn't become, you know, be a surprise to anybody that he's being benched for Will Levis, right? I mean, he had to be thinking about it. At about, ooh, when the third touchdown pass of the Falcons was going in the air, he had to be going, uh-oh, I might be in trouble when I come back healthy. And then I would say about second quarter of the Steelers game, he probably should have been like, I'm definitely not going to be starting next week, no matter what. Because the way it looked, the first half of the game, the third quarter, right? I mean, I know I was like, damn, Will Levis is just going to keep answering the bell here. He's just going to keep making throws. Holy crap, right? People bearing down on him, throwing the ball down the field, fitting it in the tight windows. So, you know, I don't blame the Titans. They, they look like they got something here. Let's see if they can capitalize on it. And I think it's a smart move to move on to Will Levis. Let's hear a little bit from Will Levis about his new assignment as the full-time starter for the Tennessee Titans. Just with keeping the relationship professional while at the same time, like, helping me out how he can. But, uh, you know, yesterday at practice, like, doing a good job of stepping in and letting me know that, you know, the, the reps even in the beginning of practice with the ones, like, you know, I just I didn't want to step over him, but he came to me first to be like, hey, this is you. So it was cool to hear that. Um, but I know that hasn't isn't going to change our relationship and how we go forward. We were uh, getting ready to do do some drills, and um, you know, Will was kind of standing back, and um, you know, I, I told him to get in there. It's, it's his opportunity to uh, to take the lead in the drills and and uh, start owning the position. So um, that's the role I'm in now. I just try to support him and, and help him find you know his footing as he as he steps into this role. Last year when the Titans used a third-round pick on Malik Willis, one of the sound bites from Ryan Tannehill that created a headline was, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. Now, Tannehill otherwise said he would help Willis, but the situation's different. He was the starter then. His job is to focus on being the starter. When you become the backup, what's your job? It's to be ready to play, but it's also to support the starter. Right. So... Not that he's mentoring him per se, but he's the backup now. 
and he's not the kind of backup who's competing with the starter, that competition is over and Will Levis has won it. Right. If Tannehill wants to stay there for the rest of the year, and Chris, I wondered yesterday on the PFTPM podcast whether he would ask to just be released like Donovan McNabb did when he was supplanted by Christian Ponder on the Vikings in 2011. Get released, pass through waivers, sign somewhere as a free agent. People need quarterbacks now. That's an option for Ryan Tannehill if he wants to pursue it. But as long as he's with Tennessee, he's, he's the backup. And being the backup means supporting the starter. Yeah, that that's right. You know, and 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 again, I think if the the roles were reversed and Malik Willis was the starting quarterback, you'd hear the same answer, right? I mean, yeah, it was a totally different scenario. Uh, now he's going to sit back and he's, you know, I, and, and as he was the starter, I'm sure was helping these guys all the time. He was just trying to make the point. It's not his job to coach them up all the time and worry about that. His job, like you said, was to play football and worry about completing passes on the field. Now, yeah, he can make a little more of a concerted effort to help those guys out in the meeting rooms, in practice. And, you know, I always think it's so funny when you hear that story because as a young player, yeah, you know you're the starter, but you don't want to disrespect the guy that's been so awesome and done so many good things in the league and all that. So there he is, the starter. He's waiting for Ryan Tannehill to lead off a drill, right, and all that. And it just shows you that's, that's how football players operate. They don't want to step on the toes there. He needed Ryan Tannehill to go, oh, no, you lead the drill. You're the starter now. That's where you go. I've been in those situations. It's a little awkward at first, and you know, good on both of them for handling it the right way. All right, let's take a break. We'll look at the best matchups for Week 10 when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, Week 10 is already upon us. The season is flying by. Some great games this weekend. We talked earlier that there are five where both teams are either at or above 500. So it's matchup draft time. And before we get there, Chris, there is a trivia question today, if you are ready to answer it. And, of course, I have now lost it because I accidentally exited out of the Google Doc. There is one team. I know. I never remember what it is, Pete. You don't have to read it to me. One team leads the NFL with a point differential of plus 115. Who is the team that leads the NFL? I and mean, that's a big gap. I'm insulted. Plus one. I'm insulted that I'm even being asked this question. I mean, I, I mean, me, the guy who like just lives football. You wrote an article about it earlier this week. Like, hey, like what well the done. F? Okay, the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't write the question. Right. Be I mad know. at Pete. Yeah. I mean, damn, Pete. That's all. I'm almost disrespecting this is what Pete, Pete that you would even ask you. that. That like I wouldn't know that. Like, geez. Jeez, this Pete's not paying attention to the site. I mean, I guess Pete doesn't read the site at all. He doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> all right. He just thinks you didn't read the site because he thinks kid can't even read. You get the first pick. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm going to be, like, really arbitrary here and, like, you know, not exactly. I, I, I want to – the Ravens offense versus the Browns defense, Okay. I mean, first off, you know me. I'm, I got a man crush on the Ravens altogether. Uh, I think right now the way they're playing, uh, you know, it, it's arguably the best play in football over the last few weeks. I don't think it's, you know, that crazy to say that out loud. They're amazing on D. They're amazing on O. But, man, their offense, it's clicking. They're running the ball. Lamar's on fire, throwing the football. They're creative against this Cleveland defense that is number one in football. And like we talked about earlier in the show, can win games by themselves here, right? They're physical as hell. They're creative on that side of the ball with Jim Schwartz, too. To me, there's just so many 
moving parts and matchups along that, that Ravens offense versus Browns defense that I am so excited to see. Uh, so that's the first one I'll start. Sorry to be so big picture there, but I just think it's too big to pass up. Well, and I'm going kind of big picture, but I'm going to focus on one guy versus another unit, and it's Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, against the Jacksonville defense, simply because we've seen deterioration in Purdy's performance in recent weeks. It's gotten not great, and we were ready to put him in Canton. We were ready to compare him to Joe Montana. We were ready to say he's the Kirk Cousins that that Kyle Shanahan has been looking for, who's going to run the offense system quarterback in a good way. A lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers. Can he get it right having a full week extra to get ready for this game going against a very good defense? If he performs well on Sunday, it will be against a very good defense. It is. They're way better than the statistics would say. The way they've played the last four or five weeks are pretty incredible. You, you know, they have shown you can make a few plays in the past game, but even their past defense, I think, is better than what it's ranked. Early season struggles, some garbage time BS yards on their defense lead it that way. They stopped the run, Mike, to your point, and they cause turnovers in Jacksonville. They force fumbles. They make interceptions. Brock Purdy has played really well. It's like you said, it's just been the mistakes, right, that have really kind of held them back. So we'll see where that goes. Um, all right, the next thing. I'm going to go to Bengals-Texans. I'm going to go to C.J. Stroud versus Bengals defense that I feel, you know, as you said earlier, is hitting its stride. You know, one, a defense, and Luan Arumo that has every zone coverage ever invented to man, right? You know, can blitz and play man-to-man if he wants, but for the most part, they want to rush four, and he wants to have seven in coverage and them do crazy things there. I'm excited to see C.J. Stroud, if he can digest all of that and dissect it. Uh, if he does that again like what he did last week to this Bengals defense, ooh, watch out. Damn, he might be a top-five quarterback after this week. <laughs> I'm going to go to the game in Minnesota, and I'm not going to talk about Josh Dobbs, at least just for now. Jeez, I finally. I am very interested to see what Brian Flores cooks up for Derek Carr because we've seen good Derek Carr, we've seen bad Derek Carr. And if anyone can rattle him consistently – It's going to be Brian Flores with creative blitzes and who's coming, who's not coming, how often are they going to blitz. So that that will determine, I think, in many ways who wins that game on Sunday. We'll take a break. We'll do round three when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, one more round of the Week 10 matchup draft. Christopher David Sims, you're up. I'm going to the Seattle-Washington matchup. You like how I did that? Seattle-Washington, and it's, you know, the Commander-Seahawks. Get that? Look at that. I'm smart. Uh, But, okay, I mean, we know the Seahawks offense. They got to get the hell going. I mean, come on. They're too good to do what they're doing here as of late. But the matchup I'm intrigued to see is really the weapons of the Washington offense, the receivers, that secondary in Seattle – Right, And that matchup right there, Washington likes to throw the ball down the field. We know they got some talented guys in that Seattle secondary. I want to see that go off there. I'm going with Cowboys-Giants, specifically Tommy DeVito against Micah Parsons and the rest of that defense, simply because of the rubberneck, I-can't-look-away quality. You want to see if he gets murdered in the game? (laughs) Tommy DeVito is going to get whacked. He thinks he's getting made. He's going to find out when he walks through the door he's not getting made. It's going to be over. 
I got a big score for that one, too. Damn. You'll see it and hear it in the Mega Picks podcast coming up later today. See you then. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.